This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and I'm joined with Annette Jones who is the heart and soul behind All Around Oz. She is a traveller around Australia and helps others do the same. Annette, thanks for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me here, Michael. So I thought we'd dive into how you got started. Why did you do it? What was the event leading up to you traveling full time? Oh, sure. It's always been a goal of ours to travel full time. And we thought it would be um, once we'd finish work and we were planning to um, travel the world, actually, starting off in Bali. We were going to live a couple of years there and then work our way through South, Southeast Asia and up through Europe and, and so forth. Um, however, in 2020, I'm sure we don't need reminding what happened then, um, <laughs> we, were at, we were actually in Bali when that was happening and um, we just got back into Australia by the skin of our teeth before they locked the borders. And um, so our... Our travel plans, we had to look at our travel plans and how that was going to change because at that stage no one really knew what was going going to happen in the next month or two months and who knew it was going to last for so long. So as the time progressed, we decided that we'd flip our plans because we'd always decided, we'd always um, had a goal of travelling Australia as well and and really seeing Australia, Australia is a big country um, with a lot of nothing in the centre as well. Um, so it takes a long time to get to places. So we needed three, four, five, whoever, however many years, who knows. Um, so we decided that we'd flip our plans and um, put, put world travel on the back burner and, and travel around Australia full time. That's how it happened. However, we've always had that goal. Um, I think it was on the second date that I met Kev. Um, he said to me, you know, would you like to travel Australia full time? And I'm like, yep, um, I'm in that. Yep, for sure. So that's how everything evolved for us. What kind of things happen next? Because I'm picturing maybe you've got a stable job, you're wanting to start a relationship with Kevin and then you decide to then travel. What happens next? Because there'd be a lot of people that would be thinking, okay, how did you afford it? How did you get the mm. camper vans or caravans or motorhomes? Because sure. it's, it's one thing to do it for a week or two, maybe a month, mm -hmm. but then if you've been doing it for yeah. years, that'll come with its own, its own set of problems. Oh, for sure. Um, look, that was, uh, <laughs> when he asked me that question, that was over 14 years ago. And at that stage, we th I, I had two brick-and-mortar businesses. Um, he was retired at the time. And in, in the space of, of that 14 years, he bought um, another two businesses I sold my businesses. Um, at the time as well, I started learning um, how to write, um, how to um, build websites and 
um, develop this, you know, I've, I've always had a passion for travel. So I really wanted to get into the travel niche. So in that 14 years, a lot of things had happened. Um, so it wasn't an overnight thing. It was it was always a goal of ours to travel full-time, but we were working towards that um, from the moment that, that we kind of met. And, and life happens. Life gets in the way and you just have to roll with the punches, whatever that looks like for a lot of people. Um, I know for us, we've had um, ups and downs, deaths in the family, but, you know, both sides of our families and things like that. Um, so you just have to roll with that. But I think the biggest thing is to, if you've got a real passion to do something, you'll do it. And it doesn't matter what gets in the way. You've always got your eyes set on that vision in the future. And that's what it was for us. We knew that that was always our goal. We knew that we wanted to travel full time and that's what kept us going. And I think that's a big key. That's a big key to anything in life, really. If you've got a really big why, um, then you'll work towards it. And sure, things get in the way, but you'll always come back on track to your really big why of why you are doing what you're doing to get to where you want to be. It's interesting that you actually started having physical businesses and you kind of flipped a little bit in that he bought businesses, you sold them with this intention of traveling full time. Did that shift your, well, what businesses do I buy? What do I do with my time? I.e., if Kevin was to buy physical businesses that require him mm-hmm. to be there, you couldn't sure. travel, kind of thing. So, how how was that baked into your decisions? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we always carved out time having your own business, and we are great believers of working on your business, not in your business, as much as possible. Sometimes you have to work in your business. And for businesses, that was always a goal as well, to be able to develop it to the stage where you really didn't have to be there or you could be there a couple of days a week. So our travel time was always something that was always important to us to be able to, people that have been in business know, know what I'm talking about. You really need some time out. Um, to decompress, um, just get back to the things that you love doing. And it really, yeah, intention's a really good word, Michael, because what you intend, you can have goals and so forth and they get sort of lost in the distance. And But if you're, in, when you really set an intention to do something, that really changes the scope of things. So for us, it was always an intention of ours to travel a couple of times a year or whether it be overseas, locally, um, within Australia. Uh, That was always a high priority on our lists. It's interesting that you brought up writing as well because that will come across as one of the few things that you could do while on the road. You could sit and write, you can 
whether it be blogging or websites or yep. even books that's something that you could do regardless I mean I'm, I'm picturing actually Annette if you sat on the yeah. beach with a typewriter so it's <laughs> it, it's something that you could probably even do low low tech as well just curious how you how you made that decision well it's funny how it starts um I flunked English at school and you know I didn't think I was that great at writing stories and so forth um and my grades certainly reflected that so I, I I didn't have I didn't think I had what it took to be a writer when I decided that that that's what I really like to do but what I had started doing every time I traveled I actually wrote about each day what I was doing and and sometimes it could be you know got up at six o'clock did this did that went here went there and so forth but I know over the over the time my writing got a little bit more in depth a little bit more descriptive and because of that I started learning from people who had um, written books uh, travel bloggers those sorts of things. So I started educating myself in how I could create some quality content. Um, and I think that's the key. Um, starting off just writing what I felt like writing about the trip that we're on or the day, what had happened that day. And that became sort of, I didn't realise that that sort of became a passion of having to write each day um whether I was traveling or not so I sort of came overcame that fear of you know oh you flunked English you don't know you know you don't know how to write all of that over the years and over the time so there are things that that people can do you know if they've got an intention to travel and travel and write or anything in life really uh there are those things in your life that sort of direct you down that that path, the path that you, that you would really like to take. So you decided to embark on this journey. Did you decide to save money in bulk to fund, you know, we call it an emergency fund in some parts of the world, but did you have a bit of a, a nest egg ready or did you decide to just essentially drop everything? Did you have the van already? What were the, the more kind of closer to embarking steps that you took? Uh, well, it was a, a, we always thought we'd, we'd buy a pre-loved van or a second-hand van. Um, but when we decided that we were going to buy a caravan and we were going to buy a four-wheel drive, uh, the scarcity was incredible because just about everybody else in Australia had decided the same thing. So second-hand caravans were not were just not available and neither were well the we have saying here in Australia I don't know whether you have it over there as well but you know COVID tax happened and things started to like cars for example were secondhand cars were selling for more than you could buy them brand new if you could get one brand new and <clears throat> We ordered a caravan and the wait time we told we were told at the time was 12 months. 
and that turned into actually 19 months because what we didn't know at the time, there were resources like steel, for example, to build the chassis that weren't available. So those wait times got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So all of that, all of that accumulated into, you know, we're not in our 20s and 30s or 40s. We have been, this, this has been our intention for a long time. So we certainly had our eye on, on the goal of giving up work and travelling full-time. So that, that's always been, we've always been um, mindful of that so we can save to w- w- and work towards that. Before I ask the next question, Annette, how long have you been traveling full-time? We left in June this year. Um, So we've been on the road full-time since June. We've been planning this since, yeah, 2020. So it's been three years in the making. Wow. So what what things did you think were easy but turned out to be hard? And then what things did you think would be hard that turned out to be easy? Uh, the things that uh, turned out to be harder than I thought <clears throat> was actually being able to write on the road. I always had this... <laughs> this uh, I don't know, fantasy of... You know, oh, you know, I'll sit and write and everything will be, you know, it really easy. But it actually didn't turn out like that because in our first couple of months, we were traveling a lot, as in we were on the road a lot. We weren't sort of parked up enjoying the scenery and so forth. So we traveled across outback Queensland. We were meeting people in the Gulf of Carpentaria, which is a long, long way, uh, way away from where we uh, initially left from. And then we decided because we were up there at that, that particular place that we would travel to the most northern tip of Australia, Cape York. So those first couple of months we were, we were sort of on the go a lot Um you know, every couple of days we were moving and then we would travel for the whole day, some days. So it didn't leave me a lot of time to write, which I found that was a lot harder than I thought it would be. The easy bit um, was just slipping into the lo- the lifestyle of being on the road full time. There's a lot of um, uh, fear, I guess, around... Oh, am I going to like it? Is my partner going to like it? Are we are we going to get along together better? Are we going to fight more? And the people that have kids on the road, because there are a lot of people that are travelling full-time with kids as well, so they have that sort of added pressure of homeschooling and those sorts of things. So um, that that's also a common thing. You know, are we all going to fit in this tin can on wheels? <laughs> And are we all going to love it? <laughs> Must be so, hard. Must be difficult. <laughs> so there's all those sorts of things going on when you first hit the road. You, you're not quite sure whether you're going to love it or not. I always thought I was going to love it. And, yes, I do love it. But the work, um, 
not that I think what I do is work because I absolutely love writing and, and doing what I do, but just fitting that because um, I kind of had a routine before we left and I knew the, the times and days that I'd write and, and so forth, that, that wasn't happening on the road. So the, there was that adjustment. But um, everything else, yeah, it's been fantastic. What about things that turned out to be easier than you thought they would be? The easier things are definitely uh, the lifestyle. Um, when we first got our caravan and we had what we call a shakedown trip. So shakedown trip is um, you sort of iron out all the things that you don't know or you don't know how to do or things that don't work properly or things that don't work as they are as you think they're going to be, um, that turned it, like when we did our shakedown trip, I'm like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to remember all of this? And But being on the road full time, it's really, it's really easy. Now we can sort of set up or pack up within, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Like it's, it's pretty easy. So it takes the pressure off. I'm curious about what a day in the life would look like because let's say you're not working, you're on the road. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the worst decision you have to make is what you're going to do for food that day. Um, yeah. what, what, what kind of things do you, do you do daily? Do you do things weekly, monthly? How do you actually live day to day? Oh, gosh. Um, I can give you an example. We often say to each other, what day is it today? Because <laughs> we've got no idea what day it is. <laughs> because it, it really doesn't matter what day it is when you're on the road. Um, I guess Saturdays and Sundays do matter because the weekends, wherever we are, seem to be busier because people are, yeah, they're not at work. Traditionally, they're not at work. Um, so typical day is, you know, we get up, we have a cup of tea, um, and then we might, I might do a, a little bit of, um, I might do a bit of writing, a bit of social media, like answering questions, those sorts of things. I have a large Facebook group about caravanning and camping. Um, so, you know, that takes up some, some time. And then if we're at a new place, we'll, we'll go out and explore, see what there is to do in, in, in that particular town or place. We typically, we would go to, we have information centres here in the major areas and towns. So we'll, we might visit there and, and say, hey, this is what we're interested in doing and seeing. What do you have available in, in the area? And those people in those uh information centers are gold because they can tell you about all the they're locals so they can give you some really good insider tips of what to go and do and see so that that could be that could take up um most of the day that could be one sort of typical day and then another day could be i i can be in the van writing for the whole day um meanwhile my partner kevin he's sitting outside reading <laughs> or 
another typical day is we're just doing whatever we feel like it, like whether it's reading, whether it's, um, gosh, I don't know, connecting back with family and friends. One of those days are, are gold because that is what everyone wants, really, the adventure and the freedom uh, to do. When you want to leave the nine-to-five ground um, behind you, what you don't want is a routine. So there's a real freedom in that alone. So a typical day can be just doing nothing (laughs) or just choosing to do what you feel like doing, (laughs) which is um, I, I think that's a real bonus of being on the road. You know, you wake up and you don't feel like doing anything, so you don't do it. So you stay in bed till 10 o'clock and read a book. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> so is, is it the the businesses that Kevin has that helps you afford it, essentially? What What's the the financial side of things? Because I imagine, you know, petrol's not too cheap. Sometimes you have to no. park up somewhere, maybe a caravan site, maybe it is the side of the road. We're doing this from the van, so for those that don't know. So how mm. do you organise that side of things? Is it, It's something that a lot of people think about, but then their head yeah, always sure. seems to jump to the obstacles, whether it be money, whether it be time, yeah. whether it be yeah. scheduling. Try, yeah. try and break that down a little bit for those that probably need a bit more oomph to get going. Sure, sure. So it's either time or money that most people... Um, think about so a lot of people and I know this from within my Facebook group that there are two types of people there are the people that um, really are not well funded so they have to sell up so they might sell their house or their apartment and that's how they fund their travels there are those people that are perhaps renting so they don't have any assets in terms of real estate assets to sell. So they just forge a way, forge a road, um, and they just work their way around Australia because there are, I can tell you, there are so many jobs available inside the cities and outside the cities at the moment um, within Australia. So... And then there are people that are retirees. So they've worked towards some sort of retirement their whole lives. So they're a little bit more cashed up than, say, families in their 30s and 40s. So they're, they're, they, they've been saving for this. Um, and we, we've, we're kind of in that boat, uh, although I don't consider myself retired because I still work because I have a website to run and a Facebook group and so forth. So um, how we fund it is is from our savings and from what we've you know put away working towards this and from uh, an ongoing income that comes from the website as well. So they're the kind of, that's what we're seeing across the board in Australia of the uh, different ways people are funding their, their travels full time. I think COVID had a lot to do with people saying, 
what are we doing with our lives? We need to experience what we want to experience. And if that means we're on the road and we have to stop somewhere for two or three months because we have to, you know, fill up the coppers again, fill up the bank accounts, um, then that's what we'll do. Yeah. And, yeah. and, that, and that's the, they're the trends that we're seeing at the moment. I imagine the C word, COVID, being the kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that would that would actually cause people, because you've had potentially, depending on where you live, two years mm. of whether it's furloughed in the UK, whether you didn't yeah. get much help at all. It, it mm. must have been a luxury of time, but then struggling in every other way for some people. And it oh, yeah. must have had so much time to think, so much time to oh, sure. reevaluate your life. And um, yes. I guess it's it's one of those situations where you've got to have it all prepared. Unless you can have a twenty four mm. hour turnaround, you need to have some kind of preparation. You need to be able to make the decision, sure. and then mm-hmm. have the ability to to build it up. Because it took you was it three years to fully be prepared I mean could you have yeah. done it earlier or did you have to wait that long was that the the fastest that you could manage well because our caravan took so long um like it was 19 months in the making once we made that decision to buy which wasn't until early 2021 um was it 2020 oh gosh 2021 it was um but there's also um, there was also we had to wait for our car as well. That was nine months. We had to wait. Uh, you know, like I said previously, we couldn't buy a secondhand car, so we had to, because of the caravan that we had. We knew we had to buy a certain type of four wheel drive that that was able to tow the caravan that we bought. So that. Um, car arrived we'd had it only for six months and then it caught on fire and was written off so there was all that drama to go with that as well Um, so so there were all these kind of setbacks as well Um, and I think that yeah that happens in life isn't it there's speed bumps everywhere so you can either throw it throw the tail in and go oh stuff it you know we're not meant to do this or you can keep forging ahead. So I don't think the preparation time is as long now as it was back then. Um, there are a lot of, in Australia, there are a lot of, there are a lot more secondhand vans and secondhand cars available now at more reasonable prices than there were back then. So the turnaround could be quite quick depending on what a person would like in their specification for what they feel that they need to have on the road um, in terms of a caravan or a um, motorhome or a camper trailer um, or a rooftop tent. They're very popular as well. So, yeah, I think the turnaround time now would be a lot quicker than than we have uh, experienced in that time. It sounds like you've got quite the laundry list of things that people can use people need when they're camping they're deciding to embark on this thing does it change from short term to long term in terms of what you would suggest for people and is there any 
fast track list that, that you could reel off for people that think, right, they want to travel, they want to van life full time. What do they need? Oh, gosh. Well, it completely depends on the setup, I think. And it completely depends on how long that, that person is traveling for. So here in Australia, we have um, people that, that take 12 months off and they pour around Australia, the outside of Australia. We call that a lap of Australia and we call those people lappers. <laughs> so a lapper is someone that will just do the outside of Australia. Then there are full-time travellers that weave their way around Australia, you know, wherever the wind blows them, which is great. We tend to travel like that. We, we tend to travel, we wing it wherever we go. But there are people that are... That, that are that are on a, a time frame, and then there are people that only really want to do sort of six months or so. So their setup can be completely different for those time frames. So we generally talk about the gear you need for caravanning, motorhomes, um, van life, those sorts of things, and depending on the size of, I mean, there's a, even um, fifth wheelers as well. And it depends on the size of your setup to what sort of gear you need. But if you're towing something um, and it's over two tonne, then you are going to need uh, specific gear to do that. And then if you are going to, if you're towing, so you've got a four-wheel drive vehicle and you want to go off-road, which is very popular here in Australia, um, then there are certain things like winches and bull bars and all sorts of different gear that you need for your vehicle as well. So <laughs> there's no sort of d definitive answer to your question because it, the 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 setups that we see here in Australia are so diverse from a tent to, you know, fifth wheelers and buses that are completely decked out, um, vans that are completely decked out in um, various different sizes, motorhomes, camper trailers, caravans, caravans that are... Um, small to large like 26 feet so it's it depending on the setup and how long you're traveling that that really does there's no sort of fast track it sounds like you've got quite the uh chocolate box of ideas was that why you yeah. started the website as well i i started um a, a different website actually um, and it was mainly because uh, I had a I already had a website on Bali and when we decided to flip our plans I thought oh gosh you know uh, I'm, I'm researching all this information about traveling Australia what gear we we needed um, caravans uh, four-wheel drives the gear to go in it I thought uh, through my research, I couldn't find the information that I needed. Um, so I thought what I'll do is go to various different 
stores, um, various different websites and try and glean some sort of information that I can put together um, all the research and write about the decisions that we made about the gear that we bought and why we we decided on that particular item because I couldn't find anything um, with comparisons and reviews and things like that. So that's how um, the first website started. And then a friend of mine uh, who, who's a travel blogger was selling her website and she had had been travelling Australia for a while and she, she decided she'd had enough and she said to me, you know, be interested in this site? And I said, sure. Um, she had information that I didn't have on, on the site that I'd built and her site didn't have the information um, that I had already written and that's how All Around Oz, um, for me, became evolved. So, and, and that continues to this day. So things are evolving in the product world, like the gear world, things like um, portable power stations. They, they weren't a thing two, three years ago, whereas now they are. Um, a lot of caravans over here in Australia are becoming gasless. So they're fully electric vans, so lots of lithium batteries, lots of solar on the roofs, those sorts of things. So they're the sorts of things that people want to know about. Um, so that that's that ha- the, the website is completely always evolving, always evolving. You've got quite the the knowledge on things like technology and tools as well, because we are recording from the van, which means you have internet connection, that sort of thing. And especially, I mean, in in this day and age, without Wi-Fi, some people may suffocate. So (laughs) I I wonder what your take is on on things like that. What tools do you use to to stay online, to keep online? I imagine Australia, there are some remote areas as well. So... Mm. What kind of things do you do in terms of technology? What tools do you use? Break it down for those that couldn't survive without their phone. Oh, very, very simple for us. Um, and thank goodness this happened just before we left. Uh, Elon Musk brought out a product called Starlink. The Australian um, internet has been absolutely abysmal for a long, long time. So because... Even on the coastal roads, so if you were to look at um, the eastern coast of Australia, there are a lot of towns from, you know, north Queensland right the way down from Victoria. Sometimes you can't get a phone connection there at all. That's how bad our data system and our telecommunication system is in Australia. So Elon Musk comes along and says, here's Starlink. You can use this anywhere in Australia. You can be in the centre of Australia and you can still get internet connection. And that, for us, has been an absolute game changer. Um, We can be in the remotest areas and as long as we've got a clear view south, we have fantastic connection speeds, really quick connection speeds um 
sometimes better than the traditional MBN in the cities, actually. Uh, our speeds are fantastic. And that's what keeps us going. Um, I need it for, for what I do. I need to have an internet connection. Um, we generally don't spend, you know, we we might watch a Netflix movie every now and again, which is great, or, you know, Kev, my partner, is a huge um, football fan, AFL football, not sure whether he... <laughs> People in the UK will know what that is, but um, you know he can be watching that, and I can be watching a movie, and we can be in the remotest places in Australia and still still have fantastic connection. So that's how we manage on the road. How about things like tools for managing scheduling? Because obviously you, I'm guessing you have a schedule of some sort, and then maybe some some hat some apps some things that people can go to to help them with their mm. their camping because if you're on the road i'm imagining if something was to happen to the van what what mm. happens then for instance so things that can help them them on the road as well yeah i've written a, um an article on that I've, I've got um 75 of the best camping apps so that covers planning it covers road trips it covers um home admin, things like budgeting, uh, hiking trails, uh, things like uh, we have this uh, petrol apps where you can find the cheapest petrol in uh, or fuel in the location that you're in. So that is that is a quite a common need that we've got camping apps. Um, well, we're worldwide camping apps called Wikicamps. Um, that, that shows you caravan parks, camping grounds, free camping grounds or off-grid camping grounds or wild camping. Some people might know it as wild camping or boondocking, I think it's called in the States. Um, so, you know, we have a variety of apps that we use um, that, that can keep us on the road. Even um, this Psygic, I think it's called. It's a an app that that you can put the dimensions of your four wheel drive and your caravan or your van or your motorhome, whatever you're travelling in. You put those dimensions in and the location, and it will divert you away from low bridges, those sorts of things, where you could end up in a real pickle. Um, so yeah, the, like I say, there's 75 apps that I've, that I've written about. Um, so yeah, quite the diversity of, of apps available, pretty much anything. Yeah. And, and there's probably, that's, that's there's probably way more than that, but they're, they're like, there's a couple of national parks, um, apps that, that are available too. So um, that's particular for Australia, but um, yeah, there's a lot of apps <laughs> to help. How do you find them? Is it trial and error? Like, have you had to look at four thousand apps and come up with these twenty-five? No. Like, what what was your process for actually trying to find these these tools? Actually, um, doing research on what people were actually looking for. 
what did they need information for and then seeing if there was was there an app for that so having a facebook group um a lot of people ask a lot of questions it's like how am i going to plan my trip from melbourne to cape york where are the best places to stay um where can i find the cheapest petrol along the way those sorts of questions so there's always an app for it we can point them in the right direction and say hey yeah we've got some great planning apps listed here um, we've got some great budgeting apps for people who like to budget um, or want to record their petrol how much pep you know how efficient is their four-wheel drive um, so it calculates for them if they put in um, the amount of litres that they've bought um, or gallons if you're listening to this in the States, how much petrol or fuel, uh, what it costs, how many litres or gallons, and then it calculates. And then it keeps a record so you can see what your average is. And Yeah, they're very clever apps. <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't know existed before we started this, but yeah, that's how I we do it. You went on quite the, uh, quite the scavenger hunt to find, to find those <laughs> tools. It makes me think of what yeah. problems you came across and you had 75 problems, but apps aren't one of them, I suppose. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But, well, you know, everyone wants to know, is there an easier way to do things? And some apps make it easy and yeah, make life easy so whether it's budgeting whether it's planning whether it's you know even, like there's even a um here in australia there's even an app for public toilets where's the nearest public toilet so yeah they're all listed in that um in that article you mentioned the uh, the facebook group that you have a couple of times mm -hmm. i just thought we'd have a quick chat about it so hi to those that are in the group sure. um it, it's making mm. me think like, how do you manage a group because if i'm not mistaken it's it's on the nearly hundred and fifty thousand currently um yes. how do you manage something like that on the road when mm -hmm. you may go time without internet with starlink that may not be the case how do you yeah. manage a facebook group um i just jump in if we if for example if we we have a travel day so i i'm just i normally before we set off that day we have starlink set up so i always i mean in the group um approving posts approving people you know new members answering questions um and then if we're traveling between towns it, it depends on how long we're traveling for the day. So if we've got a full travel day, I'm constantly looking at when I've got connection because we don't travel with Starlink set up um, when we're on the road, as in, you know, towing a caravan and, and traveling between towns. Um, so I rely on my data on my mobile phone, which, you know, it, it's not that great. <laughs> in some parts of Australia. So I'm constantly sort of looking at when I've got some sort of connection. Um, 
if we if we hit a town, that's uh, when we will see a difference in the data. So we will have a connection. So I can just quickly jump in and see if if there's um, any posts that needs to be approved or members that need to be approved into the group or answer some questions quickly. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, when we've set up and um, I, I, will, I will do it then. But if we're sort of set up for a week, then it's not a problem. We've got Starlink, so that solves every problem for us with internet. Um, thank you to Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. so, if he's what, listening yeah of course yeah of course <laughs> so, what would you do if we didn't have Starlink then because when I was doing oh. a little bit of, of digging myself there are like routers that take sim cards that sort of thing so it just amplifies yeah. the signal that the sim cards have and I'm thinking well, that yeah. sounds very confusing and you have oh, to make sure yeah. that you're always around where they have yep. it's just a just a replacement for the phone signal I suppose what, what would you do yeah. when you have Starlink? It sounds like it solves a lot of issues when running your, your online oh. businesses. Oh, it sure does. Um, for digital nomads and um, people people like us that are travelling full-time within the country, it, it just solves all that problem. If you, if you didn't have it, um, we have two major providers here in Australia and they're, you know, some places you can get one, but you can't get the other. So if that's if you don't have Starlink, then I would suggest uh, a couple. One would have Optus and one would have Telstra, um, and then you might have a chance of getting some sort of signal. In the in the major cities, you, you're always going to have signal. That's that, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about when you're travelling remotely, or when you're travelling. Even down the coast, you know, as I've said previously, from town to town, there are places that you, you've just got no reception whatsoever. So um, a lot of people uh, just hotspot off their phone. They find that that's an easier way to do things rather than having uh, any sort of modem setups and, and things like that. that. That seems to be the answer. But um, for us... Starlink is, I know I keep going on about it, but it really is that good because it, it can be um, costly for some people, like they might look at it as, as costly. Um, I, I, I Personally, I'd, I'd do without things if I could have of that set up. But that's just me. Other people might say, "Oh no, I'm not going to spend that sort of money." Here in Australia, it's um, if you're on the roaming uh, Starlink, it's around $174 a month. If you break that down into weekly, it's it's yeah, it's not that much. People probably spend more on coffee than we do on our internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or you know, bottles of wine or beer or whatever. Um, and there's no judgment there. I don't care. Um, but uh, internet in Australia generally costs about around the eighty dollars a month, so it's double. But the service and for the speed and for the access, it's worth it. Well, it sounds like you've got quite the quite the setup, really, Annette. And I appreciate you um, lifting the hood 
for everyone listening. Do you have any go-to questions? So for people that want to do it, are there any important questions that they should be asking themselves or mm-hmm. caravan parts, caravan salespeople, that sort of thing? What are some of the questions that they should be asking? Oh, gosh. I think if you are, if you decide to tow a caravan, then you need, I wouldn't ask, um, I actually wouldn't ask as like a car salesperson um, or a caravan salesperson. I would actually do the research yourself, um, which we did. We did, we did seven months of research before we bought our car. Um, for various different reasons, it took that long. Um, but we wanted to be certain that we were in within the limits of safely towing. So the biggest thing I can suggest is um, if you're doing a, a, a car and a caravan setup or a vehicle and a caravan, yeah, whether it's four-driver or a car, and depending on the size and tonnage of your van, you must know your caravan weights like and your car weights, A-loads, all those sorts of things. That That's really important. Um, for caravan, you, you, you've got to decide, I think you've got to, I think it's, you've got to decide on your budget first because that will determine what sort of a, whether it's a van whether it's a motorhome, whether it's a caravan, whether it's a yeah, four-wheel drive or a car, whatever it is that you're buying, you have to set your budget first because that will determine what you can buy. So there'll be certain criteria within that. Um, and you, you, people will have an idea of what, they envisage they will be doing, where they'll be going, where where they'll be travelling, what they're going to see, how long they're going to be on the road, all those sorts of things. So it all comes down to those um, ideals that they have. I think the questions need to be the questions that they ask themselves more than other people. Once Information is really valuable and if you know that information before you go out and buy either a new caravan or a new van or a bus set up or however, whatever it looks like for you, you've done the research. So from that research, there'll be questions that you need to ask, sure, but you will be educated yourself so you will know whether those people that you're asking the questions of are honest in their opinions or answers. Um, the, the, really, that's what we spent a lot of time doing, researching, because we knew what we wanted to do and how we wanted, um, what we wanted for our setup. So once you know that, then you can start your research and then you can go out and ask the questions because you don't actually know the questions until you do your research. 
Well, I think that's that's something that a lot of people will probably have to wrap their head around, won't they? Because it's not necessarily about sure. doing things ad hoc because you might forget something, you might miss something yes. out, you might come across a problem that you probably mm-hmm. could have solved with a day or two of, of searching for the answers first. And uh, for sure. I, I wonder actually what would be your big lessons that you, you've learned from traveling so far. So there might be many, I'm sure. But <laughs> what, what, what would be your, your big lessons, your big takeaways so far from traveling? Uh, I think slow travel is the way to go. Um, but that, that, that is just from my perspective. I love to slow travel, so I love to, um, like whether it be we stay, depending on the size of the place that we're in, whether we stay four days, one week, two weeks, three weeks, um, and really get to see that area rather than buzz through and see the Instagrammable places and and that's all. Um, what we've learned is you really learn about a place when you talk to the locals from that area because they will they'll have stories and different yarns and they'll have lots of different information and you can't you can't get that in the first couple of minutes of talking to someone. Um, you know it, it's it's invaluable information about the place that you're in. And if you just blow through a place in a day or so, and, and I've been guilty of that, um, we because our travel is fairly slow, I am visiting towns that I have driven through so many times where I live in Queensland, the state of Queensland, um, or the majority of my life in Queensland, um, and slowing down and stopping and seeing and, and being in that place for a week or two weeks, whatever it takes, it really, it, it's nothing like I'd imagined. And you get to know about the history of the place. You, you, you start to understand what you learnt in school or what you've learnt in history books Not is not necessarily correct for that town or place where you've been so yeah that's the biggest slow travel I think is 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 the biggest takeaway I've learned. Annette I I really appreciate you taking the time it's been fantastic I really enjoyed it if those that are listening want to enter your world they want to get to know you website Facebook group Mm -hmm. how can people find you? Oh, sure. Um, the website is called All Around Oz and it's allaroundoz.com.au and we're All Around Oz across all socials, Facebook, Instagram, um, Pinterest. Uh, we have got a TikTok channel and a YouTube channel. We're not, we haven't been active on there, but we will be. Um the group that we have is called Planning a Lap of Australia Hints and Tips. Um, yeah, come join the fun. <laughs> we love sharing information. That's what we're about. 
thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Annette, thanks so much, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.